Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mixon, and this is Jared. Of course, and uh, we're bringing you something new that we came up with. Um, you can kind of tell the story of how we got here, but uh, a new podcast that we're doing, and we have ten, eight, ten, eight, possibly okay. nine. Okay, we eight already went over nine. this like three times, and I keep forgetting how many we're gonna do, but uh, including a Christmas special event maybe even possibly that, yes. that one is the right. option that one. one's that one's the up in the air one if uh if people haven't run us off of a free podcast by then by christmas then we'll definitely try and get one out there depending on how busy we are mm -hmm. but uh if you want to kind of intro what it is and why we got here and the purpose of it then absolutely yeah. so our podcast we titled it stories that shape us because we wanted to just create a space for, for people to watch and hopefully encourage you uh, to do the same amongst your circles of influence and your friends and your family of, you know, how interconnected our faith and our life is. Because oftentimes we right. like to compartmentalize right. those two things of my hobbies and interests are over here and then my church life is over here, separate but equal kind of um, way of organizing things. Right. Uh, but we fail to realize oftentimes when we think like that, that we really do bring in both sides of the table to um, like our church. And so we bring in what we enjoy and the things that we like and uh, the things we've experienced in, in certain aspects. Like today we're talking about childhood and how that we bring that baggage into yeah, our faith for sure. and into our lives at church and how our lives with church and with faith and that baggage is brought into our lives and the other things that we right. experience. Yep. Well, and I think it's one of those things that immediately just kind of a mindset to even get people to a point of being like, okay, kind of the, the interdimensionalness, if that's a word, of, of bringing your, what we would say, church life into regular day life is, I remember for me, I used to always hear people talk about making church or making you know, your faith important. And so to me, I was like, I have to keep my faith just as important as my schoolwork. And I have to make sure that my faith is just as important as my, you know, my, you know, social life. Well, if your faith is important as your social life and your schooling, then your faith is only one third of your daily makeup of life, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's kind of like, shouldn't it be just as important at least 50 percent because at the moment it's only 33 so maybe kind of 33.3 right yeah, yeah. an endless amount of point threes so maybe just kind of partition your brain a little bit differently than you did before mm -hmm. to even get yourself in a mindset where you can think about how do i make it just as important well it's not setting aside completely a time for that that's very important obviously to have that specific time but it's a lot easier to have that specific time whenever you already are more comfortable with it all the time. Absolutely. You know? And that's what we're aiming to do here. And, and so we're going to go through different topics that yeah. range from us sharing a little bit about how we were raised in our childhoods. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at things we watch on TV like movies and shows as well as travel, video games, sports. So 
all different kinds of avenues and um, aspects of our lives that we can bring to it. We're also going to bring in some guests, um, some of our friends, and also some of our co-workers here. Um, where we work at Gateway Church Also of friends. Also yep. friends. That are also gotta, our friends. Gotta say that. Yeah, also our um, good friends. So re- I'm really excited to get this yeah, thing started. I am too. This is, um, it's been, gosh, I guess like two months in the making of kind of freeing up time and setting aside some mm-hmm. stuff. So we were able to do it, freeing up some other stuff that we had going on here. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm also excited for it. All right, well, let's let's dive right Amen. into it then. Let's dive right into it. Um, and so, again, today we're talking about our childhood. And so, real quick, we're going to do five minutes each running through, you know, where we grew up, um, kind of how our families are. Um, I can't find the right word for that, I guess, put together or... Yeah, yeah, the makeup. Yeah, the, the makeup of our families. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm looking yeah, for. There Absolutely. We go. So, Mixon, go ahead and start us off on that. Yeah, man. So, um, I was originally... Born and raised in, well, I wasn't born in Greenville, Alabama. I was born in Montgomery. Um, so if you know where that is, pretty much central Alabama. And uh, I was raised in outside of Greenville and uh, lived on a farm from the time I was like, gosh, I don't know, two until 15 or 16. Um, I had my mom and dad and then my sisters. One was 10 years older than me and one was seven, so I was definitely the baby of the pack. Um, but I grew up being raised on the farm, uh, always had that going on. But at the same time I was homeschooled because of the school system there. It just Mm -hmm. wasn't really a great school system. So my parents, you know, they decided you could probably have a better education if you did it from home. Mm -hmm. So, um, spent my entire, uh, you know, pre-college days of school, homeschooled from, you know, pre-K on. So, um. I'd like to think that I turned out more normal than some people that are my friends even to this day. I'll go ahead and call them out. There are those people that I know, and I'm like, hey, you're not very acclimated to, to normal people life. You can tell. Some people you can really tell. But uh, so, yeah, uh, just spent a lot of time growing up on the farm, man. Had a ton of chickens, ton of cows, some goats hey, along the way. Had some goats. And, uh, yeah. They're not they're very smart creatures. Yeah, I'll they're leave it at that. Yeah, they're cantankerous. Word of the day, cantankerous. Cantankerous. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, man, just that's the kind of general makeup of of my life uh, until I was fifteen or sixteen, and then I uh, parents sold the farm, moved to a town south of there, relocated. That's where I spent like the last three years of high school, still homeschooled, but. Uh, had plenty of you know friends there so i still went to their high school football games since i obviously didn't have any (laughs) and uh yeah and then after that moved to here so i moved here whenever i was like 18 so that pretty much covers my zero to 18 nice you know childhood in just a few minutes yeah um so mine mine is pretty similar to mixon's um not a whole lot going on in my childhood um i was born and raised in the same place um, from being when I was born until I was 18 and moved off to college, which is, for those of you who don't know, that is Rome, Georgia, which is right in between Chattanooga and Atlanta, about an hour away from each. Um, but it's not on the interstate, so it's kind of its own thing. And right. not a whole lot of people, I don't think, know about Rome. But yeah. I like it. It's a cool place. Yeah, um, It had a good school system there, and so I grew up going to public school. 
um, from pretty sure pre-K up until high school. Um, didn't live on a farm, but we had about 20 acres of land and had some, I guess you'd call it livestock, had horses right, yeah. and dogs and yeah. all sorts of pets. Um, and so that was kind of like my dad's hobby in a way. Um, so lived in pretty cool place with a lot of woods to run around in. My friends loved coming over. Oh, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, fun camping trips and stuff yep. there. Um, see, what else? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, my family. Forgot about them. <laughs> I, forgot, I totally forgot about my family. We know you at least have a dad from what yeah. you've said so far. <laughs> yeah, so um, mom and dad. Um, I have one little sister who's four years younger than I am. Um, they have recently moved away from there. They're actually moving down here to Pensacola, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so, but with them, great family life. Um, had great parents. My sister and I have a good relationship. Um, parents were really involved in the church growing up. My dad was a deacon at the church for a really long time that I grew up at. Um, and they stayed there until they moved a couple years back um, for a new job opportunity. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much sums up my childhood. Really good yeah. parents. Uh, literally, only farthest I moved was right next door to where right. um, the other house was yep. uh, that and I that grew once. up in from like one to five or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. I'd say we both had overall normal childhood experiences. Yeah. Um, I have friends that moved to Japan and stuff, and I'm like, wow, that. I yeah. don't know what I would do with that. Yeah, I and, don't know how my brain would process yeah, and, and my moving wife, to a different country. And my wife, Megan, being army brat, hearing all the places she lived, right. I, I admit I still cannot tell it you every compute, single right? place, yeah. right? Like, I, I know a few, yeah. but there's some where she'll ask me every once in a while, I was like, you know, you know where I lived when I was a kid? I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I know where you were born and in, in a couple other places, and that's about yeah, it. So. That's about it. Yep. Man, bless those people who are in the armed forces that have to move around every oh, three years. I mean, That's we know wild. we know plenty of those people here being yeah. in Pensacola. I mean, it's being a Navy town for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then plenty of joint bases. I mean, just right down the road, you have so many military families here. So, gosh, I. I mean, the people that even go to church with us, it it feels like it stinks because you get to know all these awesome people with awesome experiences and. They're super awesome, and then it's like a revolving door. Yeah. You're like, I actually don't want to be your friend because you're only going to be here for like three more months until you move to like Guam or something. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah. Well, um, moving on from, you know, look at our childhood. Mixon, I'll ask you this. And we really only have two questions today. And that's how we're going to set up every episode yeah. is have two to three questions um, and leave some room to kind of share some stories and examples of uh, answering those questions. And so today we only have two. Um, and the first one is, how does our childhood influence our faith, both in good and bad ways? Right, yeah. Well, something that, um, you know, growing up on a farm, something that was super eye-opening to me was, I've already told you this story, mm-hmm. Um I was probably seven or eight, and the backstory behind this is I always had some new idea, some new invention that had come to me, and I just thought, I'm just going to do it, you know? All the time I had these crazy harebrained schemes, ideas. Well, 
growing up on a farm, being seven or eight, I thought, we have all this food that we're, you know, growing, all these crops. And so my idea was, I'm just going to grow my own giant garden. And so I'm like seven or eight, talking about running, you know, a farm by myself Tony pretty much. Stark of the farm. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was a brand new idea, this crazy idea I had. But I was going to open a farmer's market and uh, run it by myself while also farming it, of course. You know? Of course. And uh, I was like really in-depth in this idea. I went way too in-depth on this idea that I never did. So I was like, how do I, you know, what are the pricings for these things? Like, what's kind of like market value right now? How do I do this? If I'm selling these grains, what's kind of the idea behind that? And my dad, being a serious farmer, knew the answers. So I was talking to him about it, and he was humoring me like a good dad would, you know, over some idea that you have. Um, Because your parents always know. (laughs) They always know what the end game of this is going to be. It's like, okay, next week they'll be on to something else. It's all good. (laughs) Um, But I was going super in-depth in this idea. And I was talking to Dad about, you know, what the weights were. Like, you know, if you go to the produce store and you buy, you know, let's say loose apples. And you put them in the little bag and then you weigh them. And then based on that, you get the price. Well, I, you know, wondered about some of that stuff. And talking to my dad, he told me, always give just a little bit more. You know, let's say that you have, you know, you're selling 25 pounds of corn, okay, in a bag. Give 26, 25 and a half. And and that idea to me didn't click because here you are telling me, I know that they're only paying for 25, but give them 26, and and my in my head I'm like dad that's not fair to me I'm being fair by giving them 25 you know why would I do that and my dad just told me you know sometimes you're going to come up short sometimes you're going to make a mistake always go above and beyond and give that little bit extra you know always try doing more do good for people, you know, because you don't know their situation either. Mm-hmm. Always just be more of a help than a hindrance to people. And that was probably my first time really experiencing kind of just the thought process, the mindset of Jesus outside of church, you know, because whenever you're a kid, if you grew up in church, then you know what a Bible class Bible class is like. You're sitting there you're filling in the, you know, you're filling in with your crayons, the colors on the, you know, the shirts or whatever. It's not deep thought stuff. Yeah. And and even in that situation, it wasn't a deep thought. It was something very common that was being applied in a way that Jesus would apply it to anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of the, the, the Roman soldiers and getting people to carry their armor. And, and we were told, if they tell you carry it a mile, carry it an extra mile. And that sometimes doesn't click, mm-hmm. you know. And, and if you read that today, it still might not click for some people. But as a seven or eight-year-old, that was uh, a really eye-opening experience to me of how, as Christians, we should live our lives. Mm. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, um, and something I remember, you know, when in college, uh, in my youth ministry classes, I remember the saying that the most influential person in a child's life is their parents. And that is definitely um, true with me. As I look back 
um, and my tendencies and, and my life in general. And I see both of my parents, my mom and my dad, heavily influencing me in such awesome ways. Um, like my dad, for example. My dad, um, growing up, super intimidating person. Like he has this really deep radio voice. He was in radio right. back in like the early 80s and trained his... It's like the golden age yeah, of radio. Yeah, so he like trained his voice right. to be like deeper and and it, it's amazing. Like we got him to to do PA announcing at my basketball games in high school, right. and it was amazing. Yeah, that was like one of the good uses of his voice. Right, when you're in trouble, not your it's favorite thing. Horrifying. Yeah. It's yeah, absolutely terrifying. terrifying. Um, but one of the things I remember my dad always getting on to me for uh, was my effort. Right, and so right. I was spoiled for sure as a little kid. Um, and so some of the things I ran into growing up once I got in middle school and high school, whether it came to schoolwork or it came to sports, uh, because I was very involved in sports growing up, but that's for another episode. Yeah. But it was always my effort. My dad would always comment on that. I right. constantly got in trouble for not doing my homework. Right. My dad would sit me down and be like, Jared, if you just completed the homework or tried you know, doesn't have to be right. But if you would sit down and actually complete it, a 60 is better than a zero, especially on your report card. But me being immature, I was like, whatever, it's hard. And if I don't get it, and if it's not right, then what's the point? It's right. how my mind worked. And so looking back now at all those conversations I had with my dad of Jerry, you got to put forward a little bit of effort. Jerry, if you want to get good at basketball, you got to go outside and shoot. If you want to get good at football, you got to go outside and do drills or whatever. Right. Like, you really don't have an excuse. Yeah. Um, and then not only hearing that from him, but seeing it from like the way that he worked in his job uh, with the public school system. And even like, I always remember if he picked me up from football practice, he would be running around the track. At the high school, he'd run three miles, and this was when I was in high school. He was in his like late forties, early fifties, right? And so, still at that age, going out, and he has like bad allergies and mm, asthma, right? Yeah, going out in the fall when all this stuff is in the air yeah. and his allergies are acting up, but he's still going out there and running those three miles, yeah dedication man yeah and my coaches would even notice and and i remember sitting there watching them and now it's ingrained in me from seeing it and hearing it so much for today through the things that i do and i still struggle with it for sure right, yeah but but i can kind of pick up on those tendencies right. and then with my mom my mom is very open and, right. and vulnerable and i would even say gullible and so i definitely get my gullibleness if that's even a word from her we'll let it slide yeah I don't know if it is <laughs> But with her, I remember um, in high school especially, you know, coming home and me having some really open conversations with my mom about not only what I was going through, but what she went through growing up um, as a kid in high school. Right. And kind of hearing her story um, of things that she struggled with. Uh, long story short, one of her sisters, one of my aunts, um, had a, a pregnant at 16, which back then was a lot crazier than it is now. Right. And and my mom being the youngest saw all of this happen and it just really affected her. And then her sister like ran away with this mm -hmm. guy and they're married today, but it was a whole lot 
on her and her family. And so she right. really struggled with all of that. And, and the fact that she shared that with me at 15, 16, 17 years old. Right. Once I got into college and even now, like, I can be really open with her about specific things. And because of yeah. that, I'm more open with people, especially, like, first-time meeting them. Like, there's a lot right. less of a wall between me and someone else with me sharing something vulnerable. Right. Which really helps me within my youth ministry. Right. Of being authentic and being able to connect with people. So th- those are some good ways, you know, in my childhood that that have really affected my faith. And I'm so blessed to have my parents for sure. Right. But uh, move into the, because there's always good and bad. Yeah. And so balance. we have to have that balance. Um, and so what were some bad influences in childhood that really had an impact on your faith? Right. Well, I think for mine, and I actually kind of, delves into the purpose of the podcast um, and kind of why I was even more, you know, inclined to want to do this and what kind of the mindset that we have. Um, Growing up in my church that I grew up in, um, loved the people there, great people. It was very conservative. And so it was much more drilled into you, you know, scripture reading, knowing what the Bible says word for word, you know, like that that thought process of you need to know this very, mm-hmm. you know, very ingrained in you, which I'm so thankful actually for that experience growing up because now I have a better grasp of actually being like, oh, wait, I can actually comment on this. I actually know something about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad at that congregation was an elder. And so for me, I had just become... Uh, a teenager kind of hitting my stride of kind of trying to be less awkward. You know, 12, 13, for me at least, me and my friends were a nuisance to everyone else that wasn't in our friend group. (laughs) I'll just say it. I know we were, you know. Um, But my dad became an elder, and I really felt the pressure was on whenever he got to there because of, you know, just people being like, okay, well, your dad's an elder. He should obviously be teaching you in, you know, in the right way. Mm-hmm. And so for people that might not even be Church of Christ, it might be a little bit strange, some of the the ways that comes across. Yeah. You know, but um, it was it was very much pressure on me because I didn't want it to reflect poorly on my dad or my mom. Yeah, kind of like so, a preacher's kid. Right, exactly. Well, we know that they're always the worst. <laughs> That's just a fact. But um, so it was one of those things, which, funny enough, my dad was a preacher's kid and he was definitely the worst of his group. So uh, uh, it's one of those things that the pressure wasn't applied to me. No mm-hmm. one told me, you have to be the best at this. You always have to know what's right and what's wrong. You can't make any mistakes. But that was how it reflected in my brain. You know, it was how it came across to me whenever I heard, you need to have. You know, you need to be in control of your life. You need to take responsibility for things. You need to step up. And at the time, my, you know, I just wasn't mature enough to really step up in the way that I thought I needed to. Um, so that was really hard for me. And and thankfully, a um, little bit later on, uh, like I said, I moved congregations. And so that was great for me because all that pressure that I felt being an elder's kid fell off. It was like a new start. 
And so it gave me time to really breathe mm. out of that situation. And um, as rough as that was, the great part for me out of something that to me at the time was really bad, because I was, I had, I've always struggled with anxiety, really terrible anxiety. And so that was kind of the first time that I really realized how much I applied that to what I had going on in life. Mm. And so it was really rough for me because also, you know, 14, 15 year old, you don't really know what anxiety is like. Yeah. You don't really know kind of, oh, wait, I definitely do have really bad anxiety. Um, and so that was kind of a realization to me later on what the issue was. And I'm, I'm so grateful once again for something that uh, my dad sat down and told me one day. And, and he said, son, my religion, you know, is, is my religion. And your religion is something that you have to find. And it's great to me if it's the same thing that I believe. That'd be great. But it won't always be. You're going to have things that you believe differently than I do. You're going to apply things that Jesus said differently than I do. It's a different experience for you. Mm -hmm. And it can't truly be yours if you don't make it yours. You have to step up, find out what you believe, you know, read the Bible, dig deep into it, you know, get personal with Jesus and the scripture, and then you can really dig into what you believe. And because of that talk, man, it completely changed my mindset on things. I applied things so much differently. I went from, you know, doing things that people told me Jesus would do and actually reading it and being like, no, I want to do this because of the way Jesus did it and how that reflects in my life. Mm -hmm. So um, something that was really bad for me, you know, whenever I was I was that age turned into something that I'm really glad I had that talk with not just my dad, but my mom, too, about those issues. Like, you know, kind of like you said, my mom was very open with me about about stuff like that. So, yeah, and that's that's. Uh, a cool thing about God is he takes what is meant for evil and turns it to good. That's Seriously. straight out of a story that I just read in Genesis with, with the story of Joseph. Right. Um, and so with me, that that is very similar to my story as well. Right. Um, but for the sake of not repeating it... Um, Sorry that, if I stole your, stole your thunder. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, it's just it's so cool that how those parts of our stories of our childhood kind of interconnect like that. I think that's really cool. Um, because like your dad was an elder, mine was a deacon right? for around 30 years at the church I grew up at. Right. And, and I, he also was head of public relations for the school system I was in. Right. So everyone knew who my dad was. Yeah. And so that same, I had like these expectations that maybe weren't spoken over me, but right. might've been implied and definitely I interpreted them that way. Right. And also dealt with the anxiety of that and yeah. everything and had similar talks with my parents right. about it, um, which led me to where I am today, which is right. awesome. Um, but a really, really big one. And I guess you could say it was in my childhood. I say it was cause it started there, even though the actual event of this happened right after my freshman year of college, which Side note, if we look at adolescence today, it's it's said that, um, at least with our generation, you don't get out of adolescence until you're around 25 years old. Right. Yeah, I feel it. I feel and it. So, yeah, and so technically, I just got out of adolescence. Right. Like, I'm, I'm kind of done with it since right. I am just turned 25 in January. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, the, the, the last few years of my time at my home church... Um, was really interesting. Um, it was, um, it definitely shaped me, 
but it was also not the best. And so I grew up again at the same church my whole life. Love that church. Love the right. people there. But I kind of started seeing the ugliness of church politics mm. my junior and senior year. So long. I'm going to try to summarize everything in a short little um, story, which is basically. Um, so my youth group, my church was basically in this middle with Churches of Christ of being very conservative and not so conservative. Right. And there was this, which I didn't know at the time, this wrestling between the ministry staff and the elders right. um, that was kind of going on behind the scenes that as a student and as a teenager, you're obviously not going to see. Yeah, you wouldn't recognize. <laughs> and there was one specific Sunday where we had small group at the church building right after um, lunch following service. And like with my youth group, we would always sing in our small group. And so yeah. with if you don't know Churches of Christ, like we don't use instruments or right. most of us don't use instruments. Right. And some even look down upon any type of noise uh, during worship. And so we would clap during our worship time Scandalous. together. Scandalous. Scandalous. Yeah. Um, and we got in trouble for that. Like one of the elders apparently came to our youth minister and was like, hey, someone heard that y'all were clapping. It's fine if y'all do that at like a retreat or say like impact or, you know, outside of what they right. call the church umbrella. But if you're here, you can't do it. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, what? I, I didn't know this was a thing. And um, we had this meeting early Sunday morning before Bible class one Sunday. And... I remember sitting in that meeting. It was a cool way for me to see my dad because my dad was very much like, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it, but if it's causing distraction and division, then obviously be wise with it. And I was like, wow, I've never heard my dad talk about. And he like mentioned Paul, and I was like, I've never heard him quote scripture that way. This is really, really cool. Right. Because those of you who don't know my dad, he's very reserved and quiet. That's applied Um, scripture. Yeah. That's what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I remember sitting in that meeting and listening to some of the other parents arguing and how frustrated and angry some of them were. And I it was my first time ever seeing this. And and I'm very much about unity and I don't very much like conflict. And so sitting there, I couldn't help but think, wow, over this Right. You know, and believe it or not, I was interning at another church um, in Red Bank, which is right outside of Chattanooga, or technically is Chattanooga. The, about a year later, a little over a year later, um, it, I believe it was like June or July of 2014, and I got a text from my parents saying, hey, they just fired the preacher. Hmm. And shortly after that, about half of the membership left with him and he started his own church and so it was this awful split of where we were around 300 people which in our town was a pretty big deal pretty large yeah Yeah, and and then all of a sudden cut right in half and what hurt me the most about is a lot of my friends in the youth group were a part of that group that left Um, and partially why the minister was fired was because they said that he was conspiring to leave and take people with him, right. which is what happened. Yeah. So they might have been, you know, right on that, or maybe their decision caused it. I don't. Right. I don't know. I'm Plenty not going to speculate. Yeah. yeah. And so then going home, seeing all this division and seeing this, you know, it was just like weird vibes between it. Because one of my best friends again was in that group that left, and his parents were like really involved with it. Um, 
with the the group of parents that decided to make that decision. Right. And and me going into ministry and seeing that it was it was very discouraging. I would yeah. say it was very discouraging to see that side of the church of where it's like, aren't we supposed to be about loving others and serving our neighbors and bringing Jesus to people? Why are we fighting amongst ourselves? Yeah. Like if we're supposed to be about the first century church, why are we so focused inward when we should be focused outward? And, and so what that's really driven me to do is to not let that happen again Yeah, is to really emphasize unity and being together and if you have a problem with someone or with me like go to that person like like it says in scripture um go to them and take someone with you and if they still are in disagreement then, I mean, don't let the sun go down being angry on someone you know right. and and i take that so seriously and it's such a challenge to me because, again, I don't necessarily enjoy conflict at all. Right, yeah. It's, it makes me very awkward. I, I'm just kind of push it away. Maybe it'll go away if I ignore it. But it always comes down to, no, you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And so big part of my purpose in ministry is to bring that unity and, and seeing that, hey, all different age groups have something different to bring. All different cultures have something to bring. And let's respect all that and be unified together and worry about the real issues we need to be worrying about. And not so much, I'll just say, the pettiness and the yeah. stuff that uh, we would prefer rather than the things that, you know, are really serious that we really need to speak into. Right. Well, nowadays there's so much... Uh, it's it's almost like that was kind of my first uh, a similar situation with with disagreements. It's kind of, it was kind of like my first foray into into church politics. Yeah, and man, it's rough. It's mm-hmm. a rough area of the church for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see how that was definitely something that. I mean, once again, something good came from the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, kind of help you shape where you went in ministry and yeah. your your goal. Absolutely. Um, because the sad thing is that happens a lot, man. It does. I know plenty of people. I mean, Gateway even, you go back to the church that we both work at long before we were here, they had a split mm-hmm. over over issues like that. So it's really sad to you know see because it's something that great people can very easily lose sight of. Absolutely. Yeah. Very easily get blinded by right. anger or some other overcome by some other emotion right. and say and do things they really don't mean. Yeah, exactly. And then and then a lot of times, you know, those people they will regret that decision and then come back or go over because mm-hmm. you know, they miss the they miss the actual friendship and love that they have mm-hmm. with Christian brothers and sisters more than they dislike something that like you said petty yeah but even then the relationship is so different because of what happened right and a lot of times the guilt can really grasp onto you and you can't fully open up because of that guilt right um and it takes a like a you have to literally die to yourself and sacrifice that awkwardness to even go back and be in those spaces of worship with even like being in the same grocery store as someone oftentimes it's it can be really awkward. And so, yeah, it's, I haven't spoken to the, the preaching minister since then, like maybe in person, like I haven't seen him and that's not because right. I'm avoiding him. It's just yeah. literally because he's doing his own thing and I haven't seen or spoken to those people right. that I love and haven't 
but haven't had the chance to do that in years because of it. Right. And it, it just really breaks my heart. But, but you know, it's if both of those communities are being Jesus to those the spaces they're in, then good for them. But yeah. it's just it just really hurts to really be in those situations. Right. But yeah. moving on, um, how can we use our stories from our childhood to bring others to Jesus, both the good and the bad? You know, sometimes that's, I said a term, but, you know, applied scripture. Sometimes that's really hard to do. So sometimes it, I kind of even struggle with with immediately wrapping my head around, okay, what can I really bring out from that, you know? Um, for me, though, I would say growing up being on a farm, uh, using childhood as an instance, there was one thing that I learned, and that's no matter what, we always helped other people that were in our farming community. You know, we lived in a rural area area of the county where everyone there was a farmer. And so if something happened, man, if your tractor broke down, you know what happened? Old neighbor Billy Bob, guess what? Brought over a tractor for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, just seeing the, the, the love and support of people that, that aren't, you know, that, that aren't your family, that sometimes aren't your friends, um, because, you know, you might not even know them that well. I remember plenty of times, I remember uh, a friend's chicken houses. And so if I say chicken houses, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of chickens in a barn, right? Mm-hmm. Some people might not realize that. It's insane. That's, that so, sounds really smelly. Yeah, it's it definitely can be. <laughs> definitely can be. Very musky sometimes. Very musky. Um, but their chicken houses burnt down. Oh, my gosh. Burnt down. And I just remember a whole community coming around these people to help out, to reach out. You know, I mean, people literally would go get their, you know, like their their watering, like their, their tanks, their water tanks that they had for farm equipment to water crops. They literally brought that in to supply more water for fire wow. trucks to get there. It, you know, like that level of outpouring, it's something that, man, it's just whenever you talk about seeing Jesus in everyday life, that was something that was really eye-opening because I remember so much sadness that came from that for the family, you know, just how much stress that brought onto them and, you know, just everyone coming together. I mean, it hadn't been hours. People were cooking for them, man. You know, we wow. had so many fire teams out there cutting stuff for them from the community. I mean, a whole community dropped what they were doing to help out someone that was in it. And um, I feel like, man, that just really spoke levels to me without, you know, without any kind of any kind of church affiliation being involved. That's so cool. Yeah. It's cool to see the best come out of people in the worst situations. Seriously. Absolutely. Um, for me, um, with you, I think that's really cool on a community level, but you can also look at it from a personal level as well. Right. And so my number one thing is how do we use our stories from childhood? It is being authentic right? and sharing those stories. And so that also means reaching out to people that are maybe like younger than you or have had similar life experiences or maybe even different life experiences and being open to not only talking to them, but when they are open with you and telling you how, and what they're experiencing, 
in sharing your experience. Right. Even when it might be a little bit scary to do so. Yeah. Um, because that's, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. For sure. Um, and so, for example, if someone had gone through a church split, I, I could definitely help speak into that, especially right. if they're dealing with the hopelessness and, and everything that that goes down in those things. Like, I can speak to that. Yep. Um, and so definitely, but it, it, it means being vulnerable, uh, which is oftentimes scary because we want to put on our best face, yep. um, especially when it comes to compartmentalizing. If we're compartmentalizing our faith in our life, then we're putting on a different face in both places. Yep. And so that's the step one of bringing those two together is realizing, you know, with the connectedness of it, you can bring the good and the bad into situations and, and tell the story of how God redeemed you or redeemed someone else in that experience. For sure. I think something that, not to hijack anything you're saying, um, I think something that you mentioned kind of the similarity between, you know, stories that we've talked about, similar childhoods, mm-hmm. you know, and we're from completely different parts of the South, which, you know, but the thing about it is like similar stories, similar situations. At the end of the day, I think that was something that both of us had really hoped and prayed for for the podcast was that even though we're sharing our own stories, people would see similarities in their own life, whether it was something that their grandparents said to them, something that our parents said to us. People have different stories because we're all different, but very similar sometimes, overarching Mm -hmm. themes you know, that really touched us, that really changed our life, butterfly effects down the road. And so I really hope that that's one thing that really just stands out to us, you know, from from for, for us and for others for doing this podcast. Yeah. It's just, you know, having a friend that's been there. Yeah. And, and speaking to that, I think that is so important because if we have hurtful moments of our past, which we all do, yeah. it's very easy for us to bury those and try to forget about them. For sure. And I completely understand why people do it. I'm not trying to condemn them for trying to bury bad experiences. Um, But if you bury it and leave it alone, it's not going anywhere. At some point you're going to have to face it. Yep. Right. And so I, I really hope that this is an encouragement to maybe you're not ready to face it quite yet, but maybe you can start taking those first steps and, and maybe go and find someone to talk to or, um, whatever that first step may be. Yeah. There are always those people out there. Absolutely. Always someone willing to share. Always someone with a similar story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, for sure. That's definitely something that I know that we're both hoping for this podcast moving forward. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our closing here. Yeah. Uh, the, these couple of fun questions, we may keep them in the outro in future episodes. Yeah. We may put them to the beginning, uh, right. but they're more icebreaker questions either way. Right. Um, and so the first one being, Mixon, what was a God moment that you've seen lately? Oh, give me a moment to think on this. Do you have okay. one that you had already? I do have one. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't have to be in the last week either. So for me, right. um, I mean, just dealing with Hurricane Sally here and praying for those who have just dealt with Hurricane Delta, um, hit um, Lake Charles after, what was it, Laura hit six weeks before. Very sad stuff. So definitely be praying for for those in in Louisiana. Um, 
But when we were dealing with Sally, you know, seeing our church, like you said, with the farming community, gather around one of our families here. Um, we had a family, several families here, but one in particular that their um, kids are in my student ministry is, you know, their house flooded, had four feet of water in it. And hearing the stories of people, one of our members who lived in the same neighborhood got on a boat that someone in the neighborhood owned, and they um, drove over to their house in the midst of the storm, got them out of it, and took them back to their house, which they have been living at right. since. Yeah. Which is, and then the outpouring of love, and I was part of the crew that went in there and started knocking out drywall and installation right. and getting it all cleared out for um, a contractor to come in and start rebuilding. Um and people who have poured in money and sent meals to them, as well as all the other people in our church yeah. that have been affected by it, it has just been so encouraging. And, right. and I love seeing our our, men, our preaching minister, Jeremy. He got so excited, um, not because of Sally hitting, but the I response. remember the response. And I remember right. the email he sent out right before it. He like gave all these needs listed. And he said, this is a chance for us to be an Acts 2 church, which is something that he's leading our church through right now in a, a sermon series. Of, right. This is how we be what the church, like go back to what the church first was right. in, in helping our community. So it was really cool to see all that and to personally experience that with them. Right. I, I've seen several things, and that's a great example because, I mean, but that's that's your, that's literally your youth ministry and people that are in the youth ministry and their families connecting, mm-hmm. which is crazy, man, um, the level of love. Mine also has to deal with Sally. Thinking back, you know, uh, people in my friend group know, people that know my family know, my sister was due to have a baby the day that Sally hit, okay? So their house flooded. They had to be rescued by a high-water rescue vehicle, which, funny enough, was manned by... John King, who is a fire chief in the area that, that goes to church. I did not with us. know that. Yes. That's awesome. It was awesome. Uh, the pictures that he sent in are insane, man. Like, literally in a high water vehicle up to the steering wheel. It was pretty much just floating, getting places. Okay. So, had to be rescued. They get him out. You know, they they went to the hospital, had the baby, named it Everything's, Sally. No, didn't name it Sally. <laughs> Would have been awesome. I but, wish. I'm still salty. Yeah, still a little salty about the name. Um, so, crazy story in and of itself. Um, and so, that's it was cool already that it was John, a church member that, yeah. you know, I literally worked for John at one point, and, and John's an awesome guy. That was awesome enough because he went all over the county. You know, that's, that's just amazing in and of itself. But... Um, my brother-in-law, not my brother-in-law that just had a baby, him and his wife, but my other brother-in-law, him and his family, he's from Indiana. And his mom heard word of it from him that my sister's house flooded. And so they're living with my family at the moment. And they literally, his mom's church family, got together and like, what can we do for this family that was affected by Hurricane Sally in the panhandle? And, you know, my sister was like, we don't need money or anything. Like, we're going to be fine. Everything's insured. You know, we're all good there. But just the outpouring of cards and 
uh, clothes for a baby because some of that stuff was lost during the mm-hmm. hurricane. You know, it got literally washed away from the floodwaters. So through all of that stuff, sent clothes, encouraging cards, just sending that much love and positivity from like five or six states north of here. You know, people that don't even know my family, don't know my sister, just the support that they sent. And each one of those cards, even though they're doing fine, each one of those cards is so much encouragement, Mm -hmm. you know, and it makes you feel so good whenever you get a card. Hey, you know what? People that are listening to the podcast are watching. Send someone you know a card. That's my challenge for the week. We don't have a challenge for the week, but send someone Mixon's, a card. Mixon's challenge for the week. Right, yeah. It'll make, off you, script. it'll make you feel better. Even if your handwriting is terrible like mine, sending a card will make you feel better. So just do that. But, yeah, that was definitely just a God moment, man. Seeing all of those That's things cool. come together and they, the way they worked out, uh, it was awesome. All right, and then our final question. The best thing that you have eaten in the past week or the best restaurant that you've ate at in the past week man that one's a tough one Mm -hmm. um probably for me you were there whenever i had it now i like cooking steaks i mean i like grilling you know and and i have some awesome people around me that are amazing cooks i've had plenty of awesome home cooking this week um, haven't gone out to restaurants much lately for obvious reasons, you know, the COVID, but, uh, <laughs> plenty of awesome stuff I've had. But, uh, last weekend I went to a local high school football game and oh, I know where this is going. And they have kebabs there. Okay. And I'm talking, I was thinking whenever my girlfriend told me kebabs, I was thinking we were going to have like bell peppers, maybe some onions, some mushrooms, maybe even some pineapple on there. No, 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 no. She waited in line for like 30 minutes and just brought back two giant sticks of just steak on us on like a little stick. And let me tell you what, that was so delicious. And I was going to offer you some. Jared was sitting beside me. No, I would have offered I figured, Jared some. I figured it was that good when you once, didn't offer anything. Once I tried it, though, I was like... Jared, I'm really sorry. You're leaving the game before I am, bro. This might be the only thing I eat tonight. That game went late, and I was, I thoroughly enjoyed those. So I that could would, tell. That would be probably it was like teriyaki sauce or something that they were on. Mm, Man, that was next level. That's making me want to go to the Milton game tonight just to try them. Yeah, and then I, to leave. Honestly, man. <laughs> Listen, you're gonna be in town anyways, okay? Yeah, it's I am gonna, gonna be, be up there. It's gonna be a guaranteed W for Milton because just it's it's not. I won't say that. There's some. I'm sure they have They're quality people now. on the other. They're no, gonna get upset. I now. know. I ruined it. Thankfully, this go. episode will release later. Maybe in the description, I'll just say uh, they won or lost. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's not gonna be a crowded game. A big game. Hurry out of the way. It's on a Monday night because of rescheduling. Need to come get some kebabs. Monday night football. Monday night football. All right. Uh, for me, who? So, I know Chipotle is an easy answer. I I eat Chipotle at least three times a week. Chipotle, please sponsor this podcast. <laughs> um. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Oh. Oh. I know. I remember now. So speaking of Milton, uh, went to the Milton Bakery for the mm. first time. Ooh. This past weekend, because my parents were down, they they bought a house a couple months back. It was my mom's birthday on Friday, and I was already up there um, working out. So I thought to myself, "Hey, I might as well run over there and just get like half a dozen donuts for my mom and go over to the house and 
and give them to her because I've had them before. They're pretty right. stinking good. Yeah, you get them fresh, dude. I kid you not. I walked in. Now I'm not a huge sweets person. Like right. I, I enjoy a nice s'more every now and again, or I really like chocolate, but I don't really eat it that much. I went in there and I was like a kid in the candy store. I said, "Ooh, they have cakes too." Oh, I got I think like three cookies. I got like I got the red velvet hmm. um, donuts, uh, the blueberry the blueberry donuts from Milton Bakery because they're cake batter, right? Yeah, yeah, they're cake batter. Yeah, which I'm a big cake batter donut fan. Right. That was the best blueberry donut I have had in my entire life. Yeah. It was so good. I can't even describe it to you, but it was it blew me away. I yes. couldn't believe it. I, I almost fell over when I got to my parents' house, and my mom and I were eating some donuts. I like fell backwards. It was incredible. Right. So I, I had that discussion with someone. They wanted to elevate Milton Bakery over uh, Krispy Kreme, and and I will say I love them both equally because they're different. Because Krispy Kreme obviously does the light and fluffy. And Milton Bakery does those really well too. So honestly, kudos yeah. to them. Yeah, I got for the, being um, like the chocolate glaze. I, I've had them before, and they are right. They are pretty light, yeah. and fluffy. Right, I will say that. So to completely mix it up and go the opposite way with the cake batter, oh, yeah, that's a that's a good choice. Honestly, a good that, choice. That was the first thing they recommended because I told them straight up when I walked in, "Hey, it's my first time here," and one of the ladies back there goes. Get the blueberry. Of course, yes. You're not going to be disappointed. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. For sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, well, man. That's, that's it for episode yeah. one. Thank you all for, for joining us for this sure. week. Um, talking about childhood. Our next episode will be coming out real soon. Just stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, you have any closing remarks, Mixon? Man, I'm just excited for this. Excited to kind of see where we can go from here. Um, I think it's going to be fun. It, I it's think gonna it's going to be fun as well. Plenty of good guests on that I'm excited about. So it'll be good. Well, all right. Well, this is Jared and Mixon signing off. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.